regarding the motion to override the recommendation to strike item 17 resolution 2020 r048 mr jones voted aye we'll proceed with the vote miss robertson no miss larson no miss lynch aye miss gray no Ms. Trammell? No. Mr. Addison? No. Vice President Hilbert? No. President Newbill? No. That motion has failed. I'm from the R, the I, the C, the H, the M, the O, the N, the D. That's my tuning in to race capital thanks for joining us on another wednesday i'm your host chelsea higgs wise here with kalia harris and we're your hostesses with the mostesses this week for all you race capital listeners we want to give a caution warning a trigger warning that this episode contains graphic stories and descriptions of police violence please listen and take your time with this and we appreciate the folks sharing their stories and treating them with care dignity and integrity moving forward and we want to thank everyone for tuning in to our race capital roundtable that happened this past Sunday on Instagram Live. This was the first time that the race capital platform had ever done something like this. And later on in today's episode, you will hear the recording from this past Sunday and the roundtable that featured Frank Hunt, who is a local organizer that was struck in the head directly in the eye with one of the rubber bullets. You'll also hear the co-hosts as they provide the latest in the campaign to ban these chemical weapons. We want to update Richmonders, Virginians, and everyone across the nation and the world of what's happening right here in the fallen capital of the Confederacy. As we all know, back in July, the Public Safety Committee meeting met about the resolution to ban the military-grade weapons of tear gas and rubber bullets, also known as quote-unquote non-lethal or less lethal weapons. This has been something that the public, uprisers, anyone that understands the protection of our First Amendment rights, as well as our physical and emotional emotional conditions as residents of this land and this place and space, that this is an important initiative for all of us to take and really continue to push forward with our city council people. And as we know, on July 28th, the Public Safety Committee moved forward with a recommendation to strike the resolution proposed by Councilperson Lynch and Councilperson Jones. Kalia, tell us what happened this past Monday at City Council. City Council did what City Council does which is absolutely nothing in the face of a crisis. On Monday, October 12th, the city council met and they discussed the vote to hear the resolution around banning tear gas and non-lethal weapons. And first they had to talk about whether or not they wanted to have a public hearing. Mind you, dozens of people had signed up to speak, submitted comments. We had petitions, signatures. There was quite a bit of pressure to have a public comment. And so they had to have a vote 
around hearing the public and the vote was not great Jels. so wait so because the resolution came with a recommendation to strike the full council actually was not obligated to hold another public comment is that what you're saying yeah which is pretty concerning that that's even the way that our city council functions there should always be an option for public input regardless of if a small group of the council decides that something is worth striking there should always be public comment but yes they were able to move forward without hearing the public and to move forward and voting on the legislation and so the council voted two to seven to not hear public comment That means that the only two people, Chelsea, and the listeners, the only two people who voted to hear the public were the patrons of the bill to ban the tear gas. It's been a real constant that there have only been two council people to even remotely speak out on any type of egregious behavior from law enforcement this past summer. I mean, not we haven't asked for much, but just to speak out and propose something that is reflection of what we are going through or asking for has been these two out of nine. Two out of nine. And even in the face of the petition that just started this Wednesday, talk about the petition that we started this past Wednesday that was only five days prior to the full council meeting. Yeah, so we created a petition online and it garnered 1,275 signatures. It's still growing actually. I think it's more than that now. In under a week of folks mostly from Richmond, about 870 folks were from Richmond. And when you looked at Virginia, it was 1,100 plus folks that had signed, pressuring not only just the Richmond City Council, but also the Virginia General Assembly to ban these weapons. Because we know that both of those groups have the power to defund, demilitarize our police. That's right. And it looks like we're going to just kind of have to continue on pushing this message. But we're going to continue to watch this, including continuing to watch Senator Locke's legislation that's in the General Assembly that is SB 5030 that also aims to restrict the purchase of these military grade weapons at a state level. Right now, it is still alive, not with much out there in this uh, quote unquote special session for law enforcement and policing. But this is a piece of legislation that we're going to continue to follow. Yeah. And honestly, a lot of folks are like, what was the point of even going after this tear gas ban? We we know that city council doesn't do anything. But the reality is that we are going to continue to make our voices heard, regardless of if the police gas us, if they're shooting at us. We want them defunded. We want them abolished. And so at every chance that we can get to do the right thing, which is defunding them, taking away their weapons, taking away their power, we will. And so this this was successful to get over a thousand people engaged in this issue again. And I hope that folks just realize that our ultimate goal here is to get the police defunded and out of our communities. That's right. Our safe communities look like a communities without law enforcement. And we're going to jump right on in to news. You know, we're mentioning the focus of defunding the police because there are so many programs and needs right now. But for another consecutive year, Richmond City has had millions of dollars of surplus. Now, this is something that Mayor LeVar Stoney will tell you is a major talking point and celebration of his administration. 
as of right now, the city council is unable to agree where this surplus should go. You know, Kalia, when I read this news, you know what it reminded me of? What? It reminded me of the Daily Show this past weekend when they were interviewing Trump rally attendees. And this one particular man said, you know what, I'm doing so much better than I was four years ago. And the host, the host asked him, well, what do you do for a living? And he said, well, I'm a debt collector. And the guy just started laughing. It's like, of course, a debt collector in the era of 45 is mm. doing so well, exploiting the people that are in debt and right now especially cannot pay their bills. And so when we're looking at LeVar Stoney being the champion debt collector of the city to have this surplus and still have so many people starving, it was like, well, this is Richmond. Yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. It's also just... For me, hearing the number $19 million is hard to make sense of, knowing that there's so many people in need. It really does speak to the trust that city council and administration has been fighting throughout the city for probably decades now. And speaking of trust, let's talk about this quote unquote clean economy act. So Patrick Wilson, who is a reporter over at the Richmond Times Dispatch and who is doing some special reporting with ProRepublica, it seems specifically for Dominion lobbying and what that looks like with our Virginia legislators have come up with a very interesting story, Kalia. So this clean economy act, everybody was really excited excited about it. And so here we are now, weeks, months later, and it looks like things have really changed. One of Dominion's top lobbyists watched from the back of the room as Democrat lawmakers stood alongside environmentalists and clean energy backers to introduce this legislation at a press conference, Patrick Wilson writes. Now, it looks like Dominion has fought back and ended up as a winner in the bill intended to diminish its influence. So again, this bill was supposed to knock Dominion out, and now it looks like this bill is back in their power. Shocker. By doubling the size of its lobbying corps and tapping its longstanding relationships with legislative leaders like Governor Ralph Northam, the utility secured in the Clean Economy Act the right to build its top priority, a massive offshore wind farm set to be the most expensive utility project in Virginia history. And the headline of this article says that we should just expect our power bills to go up yet again. That's so whack. I just cannot deal with Dominion on one hand, everything happening with the pipeline this year and already is their master plan working towards wind energy. Chelsea, we didn't really talk about this news too much, but I did want to put in there while we're talking about Ralph Northam that we found out on October 13th that members of right-wing militias the same ones that tried to kidnap Big Gretch out in Michigan discussed kidnapping Ralph Northam. They sure did. They lumped Ralph Northam right on in there. Yeah, so I'm hearing all these Democratic governors who are complicit in all types of state violence, who are always calling us terrorists and allowing for us to get tear gas, are quite literally the victims of conspiracy theories by right-wing militias that were put into action. It never stops, Kalia. It really never stops. And speaking of it never stopping, it looks like the frustrations around electoral politics and casting your ballot is still present and living. Black is hot with the votes. The black is hot. So it looks like the last day to register to vote was yesterday. And again, 
And again, the system to register to vote was down for several hours. Now the governor Northam and many legislators are calling for an extension of the time to register to vote, as well as just across the country, Kalia, I want to note in California, GOP members are being called out for setting up their own ballot drop boxes. So there's all types of different tampering or frustrations, technical difficulties around casting your ballot. This is the state we live in. <laughs> truly, truly. And oh then something gosh. happened with Stonies. Yeah, so <laughs> Chelsea, <laughs> Mayor Stoney's office reported today that their office was broken into. Apparently only a TV was stolen. Hmm. Um, and the burglary happened at their Jackson Ward office on Tuesday morning. Mm. Of course, all of this news is coming from the Richmond Police Department, mm. who says that the break-in happened overnight and that those responsible for the break-in, quote, trashed the place. I mean, mm. they knocked tables all around, glass was broken, mm. food and drinks were spilled all over Mayor Stoney's office. Mm. So they don't know if it's a politically motivated crime if you would call it a crime or what it is but all that i can report to y'all today is that somebody had it out for mayor stoney's office i can't even report the news to you all the listeners without laughing <laughs> because we say all the time that stoney is a phony and here we are less than a month before the elections and this has happened to his office Kalia, look, when I first heard this, my immediate thought was, who did LeVar Stoney pay to trash his office? Now, allegedly. Uh, who said that? Allegedly. Don't come after me. You know what I mean? Don't come after me with this. But I was just saying, yo, just watching from afar, this would be something that you might tap. I don't know, your friend JJ Minor to go do something for you. I, I just watch and report what I hear. Anyway, we only have a few more minutes on this race capital reframe on the news. Just letting y'all know that some good news that came out of council just a couple days ago was that the council voted to invest in the African burial ground. We know that Lenora McQueen has been a steady advocate for telling the story as well as Anna Edwards. And we want to just say thank you so much to everyone that's continuing to move forward with that advocacy as Richmond is finally listening to the stories that need to be told of our past. Now, unfortunately, they are not listening to the stories that need to be told of just our past this earlier March, because it looks like that the cold weather shelter will not open right here in the city of Richmond. And if you've been following Race Capital, you've been listening and watching the administration, the city council neglect and truly terrorize many of the shelterless residents right here of the city. And we know for a long time that the priority of keeping them safe, specifically in this pandemic has not been a priority. We're continuing to have reports from people like Sharon Ebert, from Kelly Horn, from VCU. And we're just hearing that there is no plan, but Kalia, they said, we will hear a plan in the end of October. It's already cold outside now. So I just am so overwhelmed and simultaneously underwhelmed by the inability of our city council to do anything, whether it's stopping the police from tear gassing us or doing the bare minimum of opening up some of the various vacant buildings that we have available to our houseless population during the pandemic and what's about to be a really, really terrible winter. 
a really terrible winter. And if you remember the cold weather shelter that has been available has been in the sixth district. That district member is council person Ellen Robertson, right? And interesting in the news this past week that candidate Alan Charles Chipman, and you have heard him right here on Race Capital in the past, but he is now running against Ellen Robertson in this district. And recently he has now filed a complaint about her campaign finance reports. Very interesting on the disclosure saying that there ain't no disclosure and quote from her office says that her campaign is using a third party vendor instead of the council's mailing list to send campaign emails, electronic copies of Robertson's campaign finance finances report prior to July 1st, 2018 are not available on the state elections website. Virginia Public Access Project, a nonpartisan nonprofit that shares campaign finance reports, however, shows the discrepancy at the end of the 2016 cycle. Robinson said that her earlier campaign reports are available at the city elections office, but officials there were unable to immediately provide copies of them Monday afternoon. Chipman is saying that this behavior by the incumbent is unacceptable, deceptive, dishonest, and desperate. Chipman also says that he is filing the complaint so that the people of the 6th District who have reached out with concerns can know that the election for their future representative on city council is occurring without unethical, illegal, and deceptive tactics, end quote. So much. But sounds like it's getting hot. Sounds like getting hot, getting hot. You know what it also sounds like? A little bit of what's already happening up at the White House. All right, y'all. So a little bit in national news. Two quick updates from the occupant is number one. He's trying to get the Supreme to stop the counting of the census early. Kalia? Wow. So it's always been said from the Census Bureau that they are not going to be able to meet their deadline. And in the past, they have not been able to meet the deadline and everything has been fine. Now, this current administration is saying that they must push to meet the deadline. Now, the interesting part about this is that if the deadline is met, that means even if 45 loses the election, he will still be able to have access to the numbers of the census. And don't forget, those numbers also indicate how many representatives we have representing us at a local level. Right, the House of Representatives. And we have to understand that those numbers are very important to not be used against us. So that's number one that's happening. And number two, what's happening in 45 is that Kalia, within seven days of him leaving the hospital with COVID, he is at a rally in person, unmasked. Without a negative COVID-19 test. We still don't know the last time he tested negative. And more wholesome news, Chelsea. Meg the Stallion, our queen released a story in the New York Times. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So if you've been following a little bit with Megan Thee Stallion, she was shot by an intimate partner earlier this year in the foot. There was a lot of talk all over the social medias and a lot of it was very negative and unsupportive to this Black queen that has given us the anthem, WAP. And just recently yesterday, she released a New York Times editorial piece as well as a video to accompany it that really talks about the struggle of Black women to be heard, to be strong, and to be there for everyone. She opens up about her platform as well as just the struggle. And it's really a piece for many folks right now to see themselves in as well as just to see how much work there really is to do. Yeah, Mm, we love Meg on this show. 
We love Meg on the show. In international news, out of Nigeria, there was a video of a man being killed by the police that sparked really heavy protests that have still been going on into present day of someone, they were killed by the police. It goes viral, very much like how it happens here in the U.S. People take to the streets and they're asking and demanding for abolition, Chelsea. They said disband the SARS unit completely they're mm. not asking for anything less than that right. and it caused uh international you know movement of solidarity and conversation in the in the country of nigeria around this sars unit which is the special anti-robbery squad mm. and so they widely arrest people unlawfully they're known for their torture and murder and they act a lot like ice yeah. It sounds and, exactly like ICE and DEA to me. Yeah. And they actually get a lot of their anti-terrorism training and even the very tear gas that they're using on protesters on the streets of Nigeria from, you guessed it, the United States, us. And something that you hear a little bit later from our Instagram roundtable is that Richmond delegation is absolutely part of that international trade of terrorizing demonstrators through weapons. Way to go, Richmond. Yeah. So what's happening here in Richmond is directly linked to Nigeria. Yeah. And so this hashtag, hashtag in SARS has been trending worldwide on Twitter. Some of the flyest Nigerian superstars like Wizkid and DeVito have been tweeting support. And you've even seen it here in Richmond, where there was a recently a teach-in around ending AFRICOM that happened with one of the organizers, Taylor Maloney. And folks have been saying in SARS, abolish RPD. And those things are happening in tandem right here on the streets of Richmond. That's the hashtag that was trending this past Friday. Hashtag end SARS, S-A-R-S. Thank you for that international report, Kalia. What you're about to hear next is the Instagram live race capital roundtable that was recorded this past Sunday. And you're going to hear more updates, more global news and information about these weapons and more stories, specifically Frank Hunt, who was struck in the face from Richmond Police Department and talks about what that impact has left him with today. Kalia, thank you so much for joining me for this race capital reframe and the update. Thank you, Chelsea. And for everyone else, stay tuned. Joining in, Race Capital is having our first roundtable IG live. Hey, y'all. Hey, hey. We're going to just give a couple minutes for people to hop on. This video will be saved so you can come back and catch the conversation about the weapons that we are trying to get banned right here in the city and across the Commonwealth. We're going to be speaking a little while later to Frank Hunt who unfortunately was a victim to one of these weapons and a survivor now ready to share his stories about how they may be less lethal 
non-lethal, but they sure do cause a hell of a lot of harm. Thanks so much for being here. And first up, we're gonna introduce um, someone you all know, one of the co-hosts of Race Capital. They're gonna come on and uh, give us some background and some information. We got you on. You sound really good. Everybody give a thumbs up in the chat if you can hear Naomi. It sounds like you're doing well. Thank you for joining us. Okay. Well, um, thanks everyone for joining. Obviously, this is a very important topic that's affecting a lot of people here in so-called Richmond. So basically, the situation is that tomorrow we're having a city council meeting. And the Richmond City Council is attempting to strike down this legislation that was proposed by Councilperson Mike Jones and Councilperson Stephanie Lynch, which essentially seeks to ban the use of non-lethal weapons as a method for crowd control in the city of Richmond. The decision to strike the legislation among the full council was made by the Public Safety Committee, which consists of a couple very conservative councilpersons, um, to note Kim Gray and Reva Tremell. When we are talking about non-lethal weapons, just generally, and like why we're banning them, we have to understand what they are. So non-lethal weapons include flashbangs, rubber bullets, quote-unquote, and tear gas. We're going to talk mostly about tear gas and someone who's been affected, obviously, by, you know, rubber bullets. I do want to mention that flashbangs also have a very traumatic effect on people. It's meant to psychologically and physiologically just disrupt you and, and startle you. And that startling can have lasting effects. Not only can it have lasting effects in the form of PTSD, people can literally lose their hearing. We're not gonna talk that much about flashbangs. I do wanna note that every single form of non-lethal weapon that they're attempting to strike down is actually very harmful and violent to the human body and traumatizing, not just violent, but traumatizing lasting effects is what we're talking about. Really quickly about the flashbangs. I'm gonna talk a little bit about the history of this particular resolution, but while you're here, a note, that that is something that Chief Gerald Smith is considering these loud bangs, just to put that in there, that right now it's not something the Richmond Police Department has, but it's something they're verbally talking about as they're looking at alternatives. We know that uh, our Richmond City Council has not been in opposition to expanding the police budget. So, you know, as they continue to give the police more money, they're going to be getting new toys and new non-lethal methods of terrorizing us. And that's just very important to keep up to date, make sure that we are doing everything that we can to restrict them and how many weapons they get access to. So that's flashbangs. But mostly I'm going to talk about tear gas. So the purpose of tear gas, we think of it as a tear gas, but it's actually a pain gas. The, the purpose of it is to inflict mass pain, overwhelm your senses, cause swelling to burning, swelling pain to your lungs, to your mouth, to your skin. And these also have lasting effects for days. If you don't have access to water, it's, it can be even longer than that. And we've seen recently that they've been using this tear gas in the jail, specifically the RCJC or the so-called Richmond City Justice Center where people's access to water is limited. So CS gas is the main gas that U.S. law enforcement uses to inflict violence on us. And not only does the U.S. police use it, but U.S. ICE and CBP use it on migrants. And tear gas generally is being used right now as a transnational strategy among a lot of different states. Um, we see it in Israel against the Palestinian people. We see it in Chile. Right now we're seeing it in Nigeria against Black youth who are protesting police in Nigeria, SARS. And so this is really a strategy that's been employed 
by a bunch of different states throughout the globe being that the use of chemical gas against citizens internationally was banned in the 1990s. So it led a lot of states to have to use tear gas domestically on their citizens and people within their country. So it's been mostly used right now as a way to control protests. And all across the city, a bunch of different people and populations are concerned about this issue, from the youth who have been out in the streets to the 200 medical professionals that signed on to a letter urging the Richmond City Council to stop the use of chemical irritants. And that's also on the VA band tear gas link that we posted. And again, the uh, incarcerated folks are also also asking that we ban this this use of chemical irritants. And firstly, we're in a pandemic, and a pandemic that is understood to be airborne and passed through through respiratory droplets. And so when the police are tear gassing us and people have to take off their masks to cough or rub their eyes or, you know, all these different things that involve literally you having to try to get this gas out of your lung in any way possible, which is going to involve having respiratory droplets leave your mouth and potentially affecting people. And then it also evokes gender-based violence. In a lot of ways, we see people who have been tear gassed over the city, the people who have been most impacted are non-men, are women. So there's a women's rights issue, but it's also a trans right issue because this tear gas has led to irregularity of menstrual cycles, whether it be that people are getting cycles so often that it's constantly asking them to be so cognizant of their assigned gender at birth or, you know, just causing their contraceptives to fail. And there's not a lot of research currently about the ways that these chemical irritants have long-term effects. Obviously, states don't care. So right now, while we have people self-reporting, women and non-men self-reporting on the effects that they're facing. We don't even know the other long-term impacts that this might have on our health, uh, specifically on our lungs. You've said a lot of information. <laughs> I'm so sorry, y'all. I just really want to make sure that people can hear the impact of the information that you're giving. I'm hearing that this is a global weapon against people's voices, but it also gives us the blinders of how this is a global trade it reminds me a lot of the transatlantic slave trade of weapons for people, for, for trade, for economy. And then you just brought up gender violence as well. Issues with the reproductive system is just something that's not researched anyway. So of course we do not know that these, like I'm hearing, I'm hearing stories that people are having menstrual periods for days and weeks. I personally have Nexplanon, and I've heard that a lot of people who have Nexplanon, which is the arm implant that, you know, helps you, is supposed to prevent pregnancy. You know, it usually stops a lot of people also from experiencing painful periods and menstrual cycles and stops them from having them um, completely. And so typically, myself, I don't even have menstrual cycles. But since I've experienced tear gas and I've seen other people across the city, it's been that I've had very frequent menstrual cycles. They're very painful. Like, there's bruising on my contraceptive. And so this is very important stuff that even when we brought it up in council, they were unconcerned with the fact that this is committing mass gender-based violence against a lot of people in this city. So thank you all for sharing your stories underneath. I'm reading them as they're coming up. You had mentioned Palestine, so I wanted to talk about the problem of the IDF in Israel as um, an influence on U.S. police. I think a lot of the time people speak to free Palestine as this 
movement that's very far away from us and not very closely connected. But when you actually look at the way that these police departments specifically in Virginia are trained, they are going to Israel to learn and receive training from the IDF, the Israel Defense Federation that is committing violence against Palestinians. So they're coming back and they're learning those weapons and tactics of war and using it on black people and anti-racist, anti-police protesters. So that is the international impact. We are very closely connected to that struggle. So when we're talking about in Palestine, we can't have a movement to free and liberate Palestine unless we are talking about ending and banning tear gas because the U.S. dependency on it is also empowering Israel, which is empowering the subjugation of our siblings across the globe. So we really have to be adamant about banning tear gas. And my, my last main point is that this is costing us money. This is costing us so much money. And when we're in the midst of the largest job crisis that we've ever seen, as well as a huge housing crisis and a pandemic that we just haven't had any experience with, I think money is on everyone's mind, specifically people who don't have any. And so when we look in at the research and we see that the police have spent $18,000 on, they spent $18,000 between June 1st and July 7th, they spent $18,000 on handheld and gas grenade forms of OC spray, which is pepper spray. And they spent $19,000 on CS tear gas canisters. And that's just two line items out of the $2 million, $2 million that they have spent policing protests. And so this is the impact when we're talking about people not having money and they're talking about violence in our courts. The ways that we manage violence is by funding the solutions. And we cannot fund those solutions, those solutions which include health care, those solutions which include housing and better education for our folks. We can't fund those solutions when we're funneling $2 million into the police to manage crowds who are protesting brutality that they're facing. And so this is a very important issue. And that's just a very brief overview of a couple of the very main problems that you know people are speaking out against. And if anyone else has any obviously points that they think are great for addressing the reasons why we need to ban tear gas, I definitely urge you to participate in public comment tomorrow and let electeds know that people are watching them and that we have over almost 2,000 people in this city and or across this uh, state who do not believe that the police should have the power to gas their citizens. Keep you on just for a little bit while I update the folks about current legislation and the Virginia uh, General Assembly, as well as a little bit more about the resolution tomorrow. Monday, City Council, the full City Council will be hearing this resolution R048. Um, and this is to ban the non-lethal, less lethal weapons that Naomi has been talking to us about, about where they come from, how much they cost and the impacts on us emotionally and physically. So tomorrow they will be hearing this and voting on this in order for this to pass five votes. And to be clear, because the Public Safety Committee has recommended this resolution be stricken, the full council is not set to hear public comment. There are nine council people. Three of them have already said no, y'all. So let's talk about those three really quickly. The chair of the Public Safety Committee, which met back in July and heard public comment, barely. Please check our last episode for more of that. But in July, they heard public comment about this resolution proposed from Councilperson Jones and Councilperson Lynch. And all of the comments there were to support this resolution. And we heard more of these comments. The chair of that committee is Reva Trammell. 
Reva Trammell, if you have not been watching city council for years, every single council, she has found a moment to glorify the occupant in the White House and thank him by name and put it off because of the smoke detectors that are now free because of the funding that he continues. My point is, is that she finds a reason to say 45's name and thank him four years since elected at city council. She decided this past year, you know, when elections started happening, that she needed to join the Richmond City Democratic Committee. So she is technically a Democrat because she just recently joined. But please also know that she had the incident with the cookie jar, the racist cookie jar earlier this year. Uh, Reva Trammell has constantly and continually shown us here at Race Capital as we interrogate the racial narratives. Tell me if I'm wrong, Naomi, that she is not for our benefit. No, and Reba Tremel is one of the people that has offended me most as a council person, not to just talk about the slave memorabilia, but on that specific public comment, a uh, public safety meeting, where they were trying to not hear public comment, and they were actually, they tried to vote on, you know, striking down the legislation before they heard pu public comment, and they, like, embarrassed themselves. They didn't even care that we were on the phone, y'all. So... She was the one, Reba Tremel, who was, was the one who was most offended that, you know, cops have to hear people saying that they don't like the police, defund the police, and potentially having water bottles thrown at their feet. Meanwhile, we are facing serious, long-term bodily trauma from the weapons that they are continuing to give the police. And so we really have to look at the people that, whose health they prioritize, because right now it's the cops. We will be joined later um, by our other co-host, Kalia, but she is in the comments right now telling everyone that Reva Trammell does have a competitor. Just let you know that that is who is chairing the Public Safety Committee. And then the, co the vice chair is Kim Gray, y'all. Kim Gray. And then we have Chris Hilbert. I can't take up too much more time because we are going to hear from Frank Hunt in just a minute. But to let everyone know that Senator Locke in the General Assembly has put forward a package that has been moving forward and are one of the best chances to have some real change in the General Assembly around these weapons. So please follow that bill with Senator Locke. That's Senate Bill 5030. We'll put that in the comments as well. And then locally, this resolution that we have tomorrow. Now, at the the Richmond City Council decides to not support this resolution, Naomi. Are we going to back down? No. The fact of the matter is that we are biting and praying and to God that the Democrats or the Republicans actually hear us out on any of these issues. And so we're going to have to have some serious re-energizing, re-mobilization around just letting these people know that we're still watching, that we are not okay with the abuse, that we're not okay with the violence, that we're not okay with the colonization, and we'll continue to talk about it until they hear us. And so, y'all, they have tried to not hear this several times. So it's very likely that they will not hear any of the public comments that folks submit. If we want to be heard about anything, not just policing, we need our right to protest. And if we don't have that, y'all, then they don't have to hear us about anything. But Naomi, thank you so much for joining us. They're out. All right. All right. Everybody's still with me. We still here? You're listening to Race Capital on WRIRLP 97.3 FM, Richmond Independent Radio, right here with me, Chelsea Higgs-Wise and Kalia Harris. And we're updating you with the VA band tear gas and bringing you the latest news. Stay tuned. Okay, y'all. We are going to continue this and invite Frank... Hello, how y'all doing? Hey, thanks so much. Did you good? You all comfortable? 
Uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm I'm good. I'm good. I'm comfortable. I'm sitting in the car now. Well, um, if you guys want to talk about the effects of um, a rubber bullet, um, the tear gas, um, and the flashbangs, um, well, um, it's a very, very um, traumatic experience. Um, and being shot in the eye, um, being shot in the head, um, it, 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 it was with intent to cause great bodily harm. Um, you know, um, the underlining symptoms were, uh, they complicated my mental health, um, you know, um, inability to, um, you know, some, sometimes, uh, think properly, um, I became over, overtly aggressive, um, as opposed to my normal behavior, um, I realized the change in my um, relationship with my family, um, with my kids. Uh, um, it, it, it caused me to go go on the the defensive. Um, you know, um, my so you know, like my everyday life, it, um, it isn't easy now. Um, you know, uh, it, it it was like. You know, the, and and I do agree with you guys. They they use those weapons to to silence our voices. You know, they use non-lethal weapons to silence our voices. And um, you know, um, I go through PTSD daily. You know, um, loud noises scare me. Um, yeah, I, I being in a crowd of people um, is it, 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 is a trigger for me. So you know, um, I, I haven't been as active. You know, um, I do think that um, we need to uh, defund the police. I agree with that. And then I also agree with um, banning um, non-lethal weapons. Um, they are um, detrimental to our health and our livelihoods. Um, and they shouldn't be used on um, U.S. citizens. Um, you know, um, if they use those weapons uh, in war. Um, it's considered a war crime, you know. Uh, it's a war crime to use it on another country. So um, we have to stop them from uh, using using them on citizens. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Frank. For sharing that. Um, tell us about yourself. Well, I'm originally from Orlando, Florida. Um, I, I moved to Richmond, Virginia five years ago. I came up here for um for on a contract. I remodeled the Patrick Henry in Williamsburg. It's a vacation resort. Um, you know, and uh but coming up at, growing up in Orlando, you know, um I was a victim of systemic uh racism and oppression. Um I was profiled and I was profiled at a young age and you know, and and um my uh, main reason for going to jail was, um, you know, um, truancy. And um, nine times out of ten, I went to jail from school, you know. So the prison, the school-to-prison pipeline is real, you know. Um, so um, I, I really, I kind of, I kind of grasp an understanding of that. Um, but growing up, I, I honestly, if you guys want the honest to God truth, I grew up a gang member. Um, I didn't, ha I, my, my family support was slim to none. Um, I was raised by my, um, grandparents and, um, you know, so I, I, I had a sense of, uh, I, 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 I wanted to belong somewhere and, um, me being a gang member, that gang gave me 
a um and the game gave me a life you know um and uh once uh i you know it, it was a it was a curse and a blessing altogether um because i stand on the original message of our forefathers which is the black panthers you know um they never hurt our community um they never went out and and, and said hey young blood go 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 shoot this guy you know it wasn't the case you know they promoted uh black unity black wealth you know and uh and and that's the message that I continue to stand on. Um, I've been a gang member 14 years of my life, um, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm honestly proud because it made me a man. Um, the things that I, I that it, it gave me a it gave me structure. Um, it's kind of like being in the military. Um, it gave me structure. It gave me a purpose in life, and that's why I continue to push for social justice for racial equality for um you know uh, our kids to stop being um imprisoned you know? uh, because it starts there you know um you you, you know like it, it's like um even with the prison system you know um it's like uh what the, they don't teach you stuff there like they, it's not it's not really like that you know they they'd rather uh confine you They'd rather um, treat you like a piece. Uh, I can't talk like that. They'd, they'd rather treat you, like, treat you like a piece of crap. Um, but uh, I um, graduated from Edgewater High School in Orlando, Florida. I went on to um, prison after that. 18 years old uh, was my first time um, being um, incarcerated as an adult. And I spent three years of my life in the Florida Department of Corrections. And I've seen racism at its finest there. Um, I've been called nigger. I've been locked in a box for 180 days with um, no explanation as to, um, you know, why I was there. And then they told me that if I told my family that they beat me and put me in there again. I can honestly say that um, my heart uh, got into the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, when um, I first beaten here in Richmond, I was beaten by, uh, well, I was physically assaulted by a uh, Richmond City Sheriff's Deputy by the name of Deputy L.F. Rodnax. Um, I was falsely incarcerated and charged. I went to trial on that charge by myself. Um, the lawyer that was appointed to me by the court, he tried to sell me out. Um, it was a little um, black guy. Um, he was a part of the LGBT community. Um, he had a mohawk haircut, and he was. Um, and, and he told my girlfriend and me we were wrong, and that um, we weren't going to win. That I wasn't going to win the case, and that I had to plead out. Um, and uh, I fired him immediately because of the because of his approach um, to the situation at hand. And I went to trial by myself, and I won. They charged me with obstruction of justice and disorderly conduct. And I uh, had the officer admit in open court that I wasn't belligerent and that I did, in fact, step out of his way so that way he could continue his um, daily duties. When was that? Um, this was last year. Um, I was protesting in the middle of the median on Broad Street by myself. And, um, you know, so, uh, I, you know, uh, and, and I reached out. And uh, to a couple lawyers, and you know, and I reached out to the media, and they swept it under the rug. It was like it it it, it didn't even happen. So um, here I am. Uh, I, I'm showing up to court for a uh, driving on a suspended license, 
and then I leave with the extra charge of I, I leave that court building with the extra charge of um, disorderly conduct and obstruction of justice. Um, once I was transported to the jail, I told them I was injured. They never rendered me aid, and then the verbal confrontation that me and the deputy had, uh, you know, kind of like invoked the other officers to do what they did to me. So my uh, my bondsman was waiting for me in the lobby and at the time, and they told me upstairs. And instead of dressing me out and taking me upstairs, they took me in the dress room, beat me up, and then released me. We are hearing within the Richmond City Jail that the deputy sheriffs and the police are taking those retaliatory steps and physically harming people. And that, oh, we believe you and we hear you. Um, I started a foundation called um, Be The Change RVA. Um, I'm still looking for members. Um, however, when um, we're in the neighborhoods, you know, and you have people in the neighborhoods that like Jackson Ward, Mosby, Creighton, any, I mean, it goes for all, all it's all, all over America that, 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 that this applies and all across the world that this applies, you know, instead of um, letting your brother or sister do something that could affect someone's life for the rest of their life, you know, whether it be kill somebody or, or, or cause great bodily harm or anything like that you know be the change be the voice stand up and say hey man you know that's not right or, or you know um and, and instead of recording something put your phones down and do something about it you know um I, i'm quite i quite i'm quite sure that everybody would agree with me that um had we put our phone had, had they put their their phones down um during the arrest of george you know, we got to take it to get there because by the time the police did or, you know. Um... Just making sure that people heard you. We, we had a little internet trouble, but you brought up the point that if people had put their phones down and intervened with George Floyd, that brother could still be alive today and we can save each other's lives instead of depending on the police to bring us justice in these moments. And Right. I went to um, school. Uh, I, I went to school. Um, I uh, I gained a bachelor's in information technology. And since uh, I've been injured, um, you know, um, I've been unable to work, you know. Um, it's a constant struggle with my mental health on the daily. Um, so um, I have three kids that I'm, 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 un I'm unable to be a true father to at the moment, you know, because of, um, you know, my emotional well-being, my mental health. Um and my lack of um, having um, income, and, um, and 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 it's, and and it comes from my injury. Um, but you know, uh, my message to um, the people is that um, continue to fight to break the ide ideology of racism. You know, uh, these statues overlook this statue overlooks our city, and um, we have to break that ideology. You know. If we don't break the ideology, um, we're forever going to be slaves. Right, right. Frank, um, how can people support you and your family? At Frank-Hunt407 and Cash App as well. The Cash App is money sign B3 The Change RVA. Um, also, I want to uh, bring something to the community that um, I did have a GoFundMe where um, people donated. However, it was this woman, it was my, my GoFundMe money was stolen. Um, I reached out to GoFundMe 
and um, I told them, I explained the situation to them, and um, they didn't honor their um, GoFundMe guarantee. Um, they told me that I had to sue the person, um, and I did. I went to um, trial on the lawsuit, and uh, I won. Um, however, um, I doubt that I'd ever see that money. Well, unfortunately, Frank, I have a little bit of experience with people stealing GoFundMes. It's another conversation, y'all. But I, I would um, be willing to talk to you a little bit about that because we, we had one of the same situations happen with us as well, unfortunately. Frank, how can people follow you to continue to support you? Well, I'm an artist. I'm I'm an independent music artist as well. Um, so you could follow to you can subscribe to my um YouTube channel. Um, it's Florida French, and then uh, I make only re I make uh revolutionary music now. It's not more of the hardcore rap anymore. <laughs> um, and um, you can also follow me on Instagram, uh, Frank underscore Hunt nineteen fifty double underscore. I appreciate all your work. Keep up the fight. <laughs> hearing Frank's story again and living through what happened Monday night to the council truly just voting to silence us I'm frustrated but it reminds me of what I've been telling myself throughout this entire year is to not judge the progress of our community based on these legislators rather than the consciousness and the true collective building of the people. And the beauty of all of this is what has come together, of course, throughout the summer, but even just these last few days to say, you won't silence us with these weapons. Yeah, I mean, the reality is that we won't be silenced. We'll continue to share our stories of experiences with police violence will continue to push forward for them to be defunded. And no matter what tactics of intimidation or repression that they try to put upon us, the reality is that we're only seeing how bad they are more and more as the days go on. And so you're right, Chelsea, I think collective power, community building, trust building, those are excellent benchmarkers for us to see where our progress is because if we went by what city council did <laughs> we'd be, be hopeless forever for progress Joe. right and to be honest that's something i'm telling a lot of white folks to don't don't feel hopeless there's no reason to get in a rut there's been a lot of wins these past few weeks these past few months so take a moment a breath celebrate and... and get ready because this is escalation y'all we're only beginning <laughs> this is only starting so we have to get ready for what is to come this is no time to be hopeless because it's time for escalation well you heard it right here it's time to rest so that we can escalate thank you so much Kalia Harris big shout out to Naomi Isaac who is doing it up and continue to organize and support us on the back end thank you for listening to RIR 97.3 FM Richmond Independent Radio thank y'all this is Chelsea Higgs Wise this is Kalia and you're listening to Race Capital we'll catch you next week Whoa, 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 wait. Y'all still with me? This is breaking news. 
New Virginia majority is suing for a 48-hour extension to the voter registration deadline because on Tuesday, the last day of voter registration, Virginia systems messed up. Be sure you're following Race Capital on all social media platforms to stay up with the latest. All right, y'all. I'm out for real this time. Bye.